co-founder Trevor, along with co-founder Bree, who is doing her thing out in the world today. So I want to send some shout outs to her really fast. And I want to introduce you right off the bat to Richard Blank, who is joining us today on the Numospect All Things show. And Richard has a breadth of experience, but mostly a depth of experience. And we were talking just ahead of, of going on live about the spiritual part. And that's a part that's new to me in the creative sense. So that's kind of like where my head is. I would love it if you would introduce the folks to how you like to be known, who you are, what you look like, if they can't see you even, um, and the vibes you want to get out there. But also, I would really love to just start in a spiritual place because that's a place that's very new for me. Um, and I would love it to really pick your brain in that place because I think it has a really interesting and new for me impact on the creative process. Welcome, Richard. I'm so happy to be here, Trevor. I guess the first thing your audience can call me is friend. And then if they want to, you know, describe me by name, it's Richard Blank. I am the CEO of Costa Rica's call center, and I'm very happy to be here on your show. You do great work and really have a lot of stuff to share with you and your amazing audience. Thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words. We are very new and we uh, are so new to the world that anytime somebody says something nice to us, that it's just like a, a child's reaction to us. Uh, so I really, really appreciate the kind words. We don't always say those things. And I'm sure that that's a really big part of your process as a high creative, but also a high success person is the gratitude piece, because I feel like the gratitude that we can give out is what establishes like probably the earliest and strongest relationships with people. Is that your experience having owned the same organization with a pretty awesome name, by the way, like the branding is so good on that. Um, but you've been 18, year, 18 years now almost? Well, I've been in the industry for 23. I moved here in August of 2000 and I worked at my friend's center for four years, learned it from the inside out. I decided in my mid thirties to throw my hat in the ring, Trevor, and I had the maturity, impulse control and some capital and so we just celebrated our 15th year and grown to 150 seats. And it's been a nice run. And, you know, the main thing, and you were mentioning earlier, a lot of it is about uh, positive escalation. It's sincere compliments with people. And so in my industry, not only showing sincerity to the work that people are doing, but when we're making prospecting calls or receiving calls from existing clients, we really extend as much as we can to give them the best experience. And these are just the soft skills in which we were raised. And if you don't forget them and you use them, don't be surprised if you can't grow a business. <laughs> That's awesome advice. Do you go by the golden rule or the platinum rule or something totally different? Sometimes I got to break rules. <laughs> and the most important <laughs> thing is you, you, you got to be in the now. You have to be in the moment. And sometimes people will judge you from the experiences they had prior with other call centers or employees or what have you. And so everyone needs to slow down and calm down, start from scratch, give benefit of doubts. And it's important for me to allow you to speak first so I can understand where you're coming from and maybe deduct what's important and get right to the point and save some time. And so a lot of it is just turn taking in, in the right times to be able to do conflict management and be able to maintain relationships. I like to like, just let those sit for a second sometimes, uh, especially the relation. Well, the relate, 
the relational ones are so good in the time we live in. Um, I just can't, I don't think you can talk about relationships and humanity enough with the era that we are in of technology and such rapid development. Uh, I think that people who can create great connections with humans are going to be the ones who are fulfilled. Like, I don't know if we can promise money by having great networks and great friends, but I do think there's probably a better promise of fulfillment down that road. I know there's a question that you want to ask everyone. So I want to turn the question on you, if you wouldn't mind, to kind of open us up to where you started as, uh, I guess, as a human in some ways, because one of the questions you brought up multiple times in the onboarding survey that I sent out, which I'm very grateful that you filled out in such detail, <laughs> was an early experience that helped shape your life. Um, I, that's a slightly different wording than you put it in, but it seemed like you were really fascinated with early on experiences that have a profound impact on people. Could you speak to what that is for you maybe and why that's so critical to you? Because I did notice a pattern of a few times that coming up. Sure. It's a lot of it's positive reinforcement. If you're a good boy, you might get a cookie. And if you keep breaking windows, you might get in trouble. And I realized very early on in life, it's, it's much more fun not to be in trouble. But then again, it's not fun to be just straight and narrow. There, there's got to be wiggle to life and you have to experiment and test. And it's not really being a bad kid. It's more of just mischievous. It's curiosity like a cat. And look at it like this as a child. Everyone's taken a candy bar from a store. Happens when you're five years old, right? But at 50 years old, you could look back at the five-year-old and realize you're a different person. And if I ever have the opportunity to go to that store again, I would leave $5 on the counter and say, we're good. So people need to forgive themselves and realize their stages of life. But for me, it was about mentors, individuals that were accomplished, things that were done on merit, not because of maybe uh, social climbing, backstabbing, or some sort of politics. I, I like people that were authentic because they're the ones that had the distance. They weren't a five-minute player or one-trick pony. And the worst thing ever is when you take off that mask like they did at Scooby-Doo and you realize the person people respected was the monster that was trying to scare people. And so I know that the older you get, eventually things will come around. And if you tell the truth and you act your wage, you show sincere interest in people and you follow through with your word, then you become consistent and people can depend upon you. And so those are the sort of stages in life that I knew that I was able to accomplish at, at different ages. Yeah. Is there one that sticks out? Is there like a moment where you thought to yourself, I think I know what I want to do. I think I know I'm going to run towards having an enormous call center that's wildly successful. What, what was the turn into that? Was that, intentional or accidental because a lot of entrepreneurs uh, come at it from a variety of angles but i have a feeling yours is intentional am i right let's take a deep breath and i'll just give you a cliff note version of how i got here oh yeah yeah was it intentional sometimes you have butterflies and you can feel things and the stars become aligned this is what i did know that i always enjoyed languages and when i was fortunate growing up with a comfortable family that took vacations to mexico Besides the experiences, I came home with vocabulary and it impressed Latinos, the fact that I showed this sort of interest and that reinforcement. So when I had the chance to take the classes, I 
those are my favorite classes. So when I graduated the proud Abington High School in 91, I didn't have the grades for Ivy League. I couldn't follow in family footsteps of Harvard Law, Columbia Business, or Washington Lee University Finance. I didn't have that at all, the maturity, the grades, or the structure. And so I got recommendation letters from a Spanish teacher and my principal. They paid it forward. They offset my poor grades to get me into the University of Arizona to be a Spanish major. This was fidelity. I loved it. I knew that I was marketable if I could speak a second language. I was the only one out of my friends. And there's a chance that it could open unlimited doors. And it did. In college, I interned for Telemundo for two years. Post-grad, I worked for the importers of Corona. I would have never gotten those jobs if I couldn't speak Spanish. And those are fun jobs. So, so cool. <laughs> and then in 2000, I came here and just think about momentum. There was no moss on my stone. It was rolling. And so when I worked at my friend's center, it wasn't C-level, even though I was very good friends with the owner. He just gave me a one in a million opportunity. And so during those years, I learned retention, sales, customer support, onboarding, training, search engine optimization, and the labor laws. And But the most important thing I learned, and this is the million dollar thing, is I heard the happy and the sad and the good and the bad. The agents were griping. And all they wanted was their dignity. So I said, wait a second. If I can surround myself like the A-team with experts in IT and labor laws and accounting, maybe those could be my branches and roots. And if I could be the trunk of the tree and just extend some sort of empathy and play pinball and teach them advanced English rhetorical skills, then I might be able to get that sort of, it's almost like the bird. You open the cage, does it come back? I compete against Amazon and hundreds of centers here that offer flexibility with their schedule, where they are, your best friend could be working there. But I try to do it on merit. I want the people to realize that I can delegate and promote you. I can give you certain skills here that will make you more marketable and more self-confident. And so 15 years, in an exceptionally competitive industry where I'm a guest in this country. Think of all the odds that were against me. But I put my chest out. I knew I was from Philly. And I also <laughs> relied upon myself. And one of the greatest things an entrepreneur can do is to continue to bet on themselves. And that's very fulfilling. So that Richard Circle, Trevor, back to that 18-year-old self where all of your audience are in different stages of their lives and their careers, you have to stay true and you got to stay on that forced march sometimes. And there's a lot of naysayers and great believers that will try to take you off of it. And, and it's okay. I mean, it's the only thing is they don't understand your mission. And, but life is short. And if you have good intentions and you believe that you're on the right bus, but you just need to find the right seat of life, then by all means, drink your life and live it. Mm. Because the greatest thing you could do, my good friend, Trevor, is to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and give yourself a wink and a high five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you uh, and I'm sure you know this. You are speaking to my soul. Uh, it's it has been a road to be an entrepreneur. And I knew it would be. There was never any doubts about that. I was really lucky, similar to you, to have amazing mentors that really make 
every bit of the difference, which is why I do what I do is I want to spread more mentors like yourself and get the words out there, but also mentors that are totally different than you, um, because we all need different mentors and different leadership at different times. Uh, and it does, it does carry you through. And then stepping off the ledge though, is very different. Um, I thought I was ready after my last job and I was definitely not fully ready when I stepped off the ledge, but I did find that passion and uh, it's, it's definitely, for me, has been one of the most dangerous things I could have done is get passionate about a business because it is the most addicting thing to want to serve people through that type of mechanism um, to provide the stability and the joy. And you mentioned empathy, those things that sometimes we missed in our early stage careers mm-hmm. uh, to be able to provide that to people is scary, but it's also to think that I could do it also doing what I love at some level is so fascinating and also so addicting. Like I want it so bad is, uh, is there anything that you would ask a new entrepreneur within the first two years? Because I have a lot of friends who are new, like a lot of our groups, a lot of the people I've met along my journey are within the first one to five years of even exploring the concept. And many of them don't have a business background, which is kind of besides the point. What question would you ask all of them that you think would help pop them into a better headspace based on your experience? Because I found questions so powerful. I just have to start raking. I'd have to ask about structure and discipline. I'd like to know a little bit about your physiological self. If you hit the gym, how you eat. I mean, these are the sort of things that might affect your performance and your consistency. I don't need for you to be perfect, but then again, I need to see some sort of dedicated practice that is outside the office, which can let off steam or maybe get you to refocus. And so I, I, I'm not impressed with the people that do 24 seven in, in the job. That, that doesn't impress me. I, I like people that have spend time with family or have other interests. I mean, I work 80 hours, so I don't have to work 40. I mean, I'm looking to retire as a young man so I can dance in the rain and enjoy my life. Was this fun? It still is fun. But the thing you need to ask yourself is, you were mentioning J-O-B. I mean, that's just over broke. You want to be an ace. you got to have a career. But the, you might not even have your company yet. Well, neither did I 15 years ago. But this is what I did do on a Saturday. I like clay. So I took my plasticine clay. And I closed my eyes and I wanted to imagine what my logo was going to look like. It was C's behind me. <laughs> so I took pieces of clay and put them on each other and did it through Broadway font. And I said, hey, it feels good because I'm playing like a 12-year-old. And secondly, I was really taking something from nothing and creating something. And it started with the logo by my hands with clay. And you need a genesis. There needs to be a spark. The Greek goddess Eos, you got to lead your ship. And you need that sort of spark and drive. If not, then you'll see it as a chore. And then your best friend will become your worst enemy. You'll hate it. And that's one of the worst things you could ever do for yourself. So choose carefully what you wanted to do. 
CEO of a call center, really? There's no blueprint for this. I fell into this. It's the price you pay for the attrition, for the stress, for the setup. Okay. It's like a boxer. You get hit in the chin. But I also have a luxury trade. I got a chance to balance it. Besides doing the books and all the tough stuff, I get to do classes and soft skills. I get to onboard brand new agents that are green and I could mold them like a squire to them, right? Get to play air hockey and pinball with them. Hopefully get to be the last boss they ever had. And so there's a trade-off. And the fact that I was able to give myself that luxury of things, as you were mentioning earlier, to give you that fulfillment, that's what's given me the sort of endurance. But if I just had to come in here and grind it out every day, there's no way I'd want to be on your podcast because I wouldn't be smiling. I'd be miserable. But you're making money. What money? Golden jewels lose its luster. Could care less about that. And what, two steaks is going to make up for a terrible day? That's not fun either. And so maybe you might want to snap people out of certain things if they're going down wrong paths. And that's my only advice for people. It needs to still feel right. And if you're getting those sort of warm fuzzies and your intuition, your sixth sense is kicking in, mm. That by all means, join those spiritual uh, mm -hmm. friends that you have to walk with you and push you and move you forward. Yeah, I love the electricity. The the what you just said is something I didn't experience until a couple, like maybe a year ago for the first time of just where I could feel like in my hands, in my feet the momentum of something I couldn't quite understand. Um, and I've been very fortunate to feel that again, to chase that um, in some instances, because to open your, to pull down that, to pull down the wall. And that's what I pictured as you were speaking is pulling down some of the walls and boundaries around the mind allows it to get so much farther out of there. And that's when I feel that I really start to connect with everything around me is when the walls have started to come down farther because then I can um, put my attention almost anywhere and just generate as long as I want to. And it's one of the coolest things in the world. It's, uh, do you ever get in? I think that's what they call flow state. And I remember learning about flow state in college, but it's been a while. If you have, do you know anything about flow state and how you get in it? In order for me to get to maximum levels, I have to make myself vulnerable mm. right, for criticism or just putting myself out there to see if people accept it or reject it, understand it or are confused. But I think it makes you powerful. Look at it like this. Some of the old statues had people completely naked. And today's age, you might see that as mm -hmm. inappropriate or you're too conservative to understand the natural beauty of the human body and the individual that stands there really is as strong as they can be because they don't have a computer a watch your new sneaks or whatever no tie the person <laughs> and and that's why you know this david statue is so famous and these other ones and it's to me, it's a beautiful thing. I, I, I think that people have essence, they have depth. And I think it's very nice that I'm wearing a suit. I'm doing this out of respect and I'm in the office and whatever. <laughs> but I, I prefer when people share certain things. Your best friends are the ones that saw you skin your knee and they're still friends with you. <laughs> they saw you cry, <laughs> but they still want to be your friend. Yeah. 
And so I, I think people need to see you in your best moments so they can applaud and congratulate you. And if you're at your darkest moment, not turn their back on you and just listen or be there and everything in between. And so to answer your question, I think it's about what you're able to do to yourself first before you can contribute to others. Hmm. Hmm. That's another good one. You just, you have, you have quotes for days, Richard. You have like, it's, uh, it's neat to be around someone who generates thoughts and ideas in the forms and the ways that you do, because it's, it's a beautiful mix of art and business. That's a concept I'd never thought again, never thought about until I was in it. And it's something I think about really often. And I really, I just want to tell you, I appreciate the, the true balance that you seem to have between art and business, because it then could make for a beautiful business. And wouldn't that be a beautiful thing you would hope? Do you like Willy Wonka? Did you think his chocolate factory was pretty cool? I did. Right. Especially that river of chocolate. And so outside it's gray. People walk into a call center thinking it's just going to be another day of the slave ship. But I see it's another day of increasing your skills in the art of speech, especially those that have English as a second language. And so I capitalize on that. I use that. And I'll share another good secret with you. When people fill out the resumes here, they give all their credentials and the bells and the whistles, but it's rehearsed. I don't want to hear it. Turn the paper over and give me a couple paragraphs of a coming of age moment. And you beat up a bully and you saved a kitten out of a tree. You know what I mean? And yeah. I want to see if they can zig and zag in the moment because a potential huge client might ask them a life question that might not be on your script. Talk about it. <laughs> I mean, seriously, the guy's really telling you, <laughs> I want to be your friend. And you, and you continue asking these questions. And so I just want to see if they can snap out of it. Stop being a print, yeah. be more of a painting. You know, let me really see who you can be. Mm. I'm getting you, huh, Trevor? <laughs> hey, I, man, I, life is short. And this is a gift to me. This was a one in a million shot that hit. So I click my heels every day. I'm, I'm a professional, but I, also, but I also smile. I'm also exceptionally humble. I can't believe this happened. So really what you're looking at is the reaction of the actions that have happened of the people that work with me. And all of your audience can have this too. They just got to put their egos aside. Remember this. If nobody shows up to your Chuck E. Cheese party, you have no friends. And if you think you have leverage, actually quite the contrary. The employee doesn't have to come back. There's no wind mm. in your sails then. So you got to find that healthy balance for everybody. So, so everybody wins. And if you can do that, you, you will have people that are with you and believe in you. But if you want to play big, scary boss like you see in Hollywood, go at it. Have fun. Yeah. But don't be surprised if you're not drinking alone. Do you teach other CEOs and leaders? Are you a trainer of other uh, other people who would operate at a similar level to you? Because obviously there's not a ton of middle management up who know how to s treat people well <laughs> in a lot of cases. 
And that's a world I I grew up in, but I think more people should learn some of the things you're saying. Do you teach people professionally at all or on the side? No, Trevor, these individuals are under such pressures. There's probably things outside the office you don't even know about. Their wife and kids are probably yelling at them. Then they got some boss with bad breath screaming at them to get better performance. And then this incredible individual who was the all-star back in the day that everybody loved is now Mr. Miserable because they're put into a certain position. And so, as, as I say, you can get the best out of somebody if you can relate to them. And so you got to give realistic goals, give certain checkpoints. Before making a suggestion, why don't you discuss what happened to you prior so you can relate to it? It's an anchoring technique. And also, there's nothing wrong with water on the face, a little bit of coffee, or if you're sincere about it, really listening to that phone call and giving that excellent feedback about how they closed the deal. People love the fact that you took the time. But, you know, you're talking about company culture. I'm fortunate because it's my company, so I can choose what I want to do. (laughs) But I got to have certain things here, like the server room and, you know, security and supervisors. But there has to be my special sauce. I was adamant about the game room here. I could have replaced it with um, lockers or other sort of areas for storage. But I said, no, I want my pinball machines and my fighting machines and ski machines. And it needed to be done. That medium of recess had to be there. People needed to play prior to training classes. People needed to cool out after someone said F you on the phone. Go downstairs and play a game for a minute and reset yourself. And people need to make best friends. And I also didn't want the environment where people walked in there dreading. But if they walk in seeing my lights and my games and my fun that they can play at lunch and breaks, they have to walk through the game room. You can't help but feel good when you walk through a circus and you see the lights. We do Popcorn Friday. The whole call center smells great. And so these sort of stimuli can maybe snap someone out of a negative and potentially get them into a positive. That's a that's a such a smart move for a call center, which we ha- we like, we haven't really talked about your business. So you're you own a call center in Costa Rica, and you've made it a wonderful place to work, which is very small because, of course, everybody expects, like you said, telemarketers to not be super. It, a lot of people don't expect it to go well, uh, mm-hmm. which is unfor- unfortunate because it's such a good service to provide to people to translate whatever it is they're translating which seems like the primary objective of a telemarketer. But could you speak a little bit about about what your crew does? Like what is a day in the life at Costa Rica Call Center? I'll tell you the one things we're not doing is omni-channel non-voice support. Not for the majority as well. When people have to fill out forms or send in emails and get latent replies, it's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll lose clients because of that. What do my agents do? We do outbound lead generation and appointment setting and hot lead transfers. Inbound immediate customer support and back office support. The non-voice support we do is usually email follow-ups and wrap-ups. And my agents were exceptionally selective of the campaigns that come in here. I mean, Hollywood is pushing the stocks and the, you know, and the pharmacies and the casinos and sweepstakes. Some centers do that. But a lot of people earn an incredible living retaining clients, getting upsells and 
getting referrals and building companies' books of business. There's extremely talented people here. And the, I mentioned Amazon is here. You've called Amazon right. customer support. What about Oracle and Intel, HP? They're located here. And if anybody knows the call center industry, you have Sykes and Teleperformance, Concentrus Convergis, ooh, ooh. Yeah, they're like varsity football players, and I'm like Lucas in the movie. I'm, I'm a fraction <laughs> of their size. But I tell you what, I can hold my own. And the people that I have with me can compete with the best of them. And I do respect Jeff Bezos. He's giving a ton of work here. But he hasn't played pinball with all of his agents. So if anything or nothing, I still get that gold medal. And so yeah, those for... little first downs that I get in order for me to build a business. I don't need to rule the world. But you can make camp and be happy in one certain area, and that's that's what I plan to do. Yeah, yeah, that that does seem to be the the mentality of the American business person is that we need to rule the world in order to, I don't know what, but it does seem to be this never ending fight to beat someone at something, which makes for such a hostile environment. Not just a work environment; it's just a hostile environment to operate in. Uh, and it stifles so many things as uh, as big tech has. They have so much control over things. Amazon in particular, with the way they've gotten into healthcare and things of that nature, very interesting. And I applaud that you have continued to refine your process instead of try to buy out all of your competitors, it would seem like. Are you still in an expansion phase with your company or are you stable and steady right now? We took a hit during COVID, but we are stable and we're always growing. But things have changed. Now the agents prefer to be virtual or work from home. We had the advantage before brick and mortar where it not only had the synergy, more control, just the environment and the internet redundancy, backup generator, immediate IT support. I was very fortunate. The fact that I could transition into this virtual sort of medium and still have a business, I count my blessings, but I miss walking the rows. My center was packed and it was fun. Now on the flip side, I was also looking for additional space and that's a ton of bread to load up. And since I have a 300 seat center, I only have a fraction of the agents here now, pretty much people for PCI compliance, onboarding too far from home. I, I, there's always a reason for someone to come here, but I don't need to look for additional space now. We just usually do it for onboarding. And so that has saved me an enormous amount of money in regards to my expansion plans. But the industry has changed. I compete offshore with the prices of India and the Philippines that can do it for a fraction of my cost. And it's not that we have superior skill sets. I think there's incredible people on the phone everywhere in the world, but I try to look at it objectively. Let's, let's look at it realistically. Let's just say India and the Philippines are a third of my price or even half, whatever. I look at the metrics. You're telling me that you have five minute talk time, which means you can make 12 calls an hour. Are you telling me if I'm twice the price, I got to do 24 calls in an hour, but I can't do that realistically because every call is five minutes. And so there are certain times when there's just no more gas in that car. And unless I'm an octopus and can call seven times at one time and talk seven times, it's, it's impossible. But yeah. on the flip side, if it's merit, 
And it's not just carpet bombing. And there are certain soft skills and company cultures that can offset that cost and with a level playing field, be able to match or exceed certain numbers because of my home environment, well then by all means, I can earn the business. And then I will let them know ethically that I can take the account because I can't promise double if it's impossible metrics wise. And so, you know, case by case basis, I listen. And most of the time they're frustrated with their internal staff or the staff that they hired for pennies on the dollar, or it's impossible to keep people because they have some supervisor screaming at them all day. And it's not for me to walk in there and to critique, but then again, kind of look at what's happening in your own environment. And if you like cursing and if you like yelling or writing in bold cap, and we had one guy write in red, that might not fly in Costa Rica where the expression here is pura vida, which means pure life. I, I don't want you to rock a happy boat and ruin a happy home. And so we really need to make sure that there's a good fit there because you're, you're looking for foundation, Trevor. You're looking for a long-term relationship. And I, I just don't like surprises six months down the road. <laughs> That's a very, very fair ask, I would think, uh, for someone who's building such a stable community culture, which is the only choice when you're in the community for so long is that you are integrated into everything I would imagine that goes on. Do people ever move to Costa Rica specifically to work for you? I've had clients send supervisors down for periods of time. And I've had people that have dual citizenship that work with me. Uh, not specifically where someone has found me and says, I'm coming down there. You know, I'm putting my, my um, bandana on the back of the stick, leaving <laughs> my home and coming to find you. Yeah, I'd love that. Mm -hmm. But I tell you what makes me exceptionally excited when I have people that have served in the military in the United States that come down to Costa Rica. And I, they are definitely my heroes. And um, I try my hardest to hire them as quickly as I can. And if... And I'll tell you what, there are certain individuals that might be older, the gray hairs, that I can't say lack computer skills, but maybe not as fast or um, has a sort of ability to catch on a, you know, a certain pace. I don't care. That can always be taught. But the one thing that they have is just this incredible wisdom, experience, and composure. And I try to hire as many of them as possible because sometimes certain cultures will, I guess, not hire certain individuals at a certain age. But I really look to see who's the best fit for this environment, who can contribute off the phone when we're sitting downstairs in the game room or the lunchroom to tell the good story or to be your best friend. Those are the players I'm looking for. That's cool. I want to spread that word. I live in San Diego. It's like there's so many veterans here and I'm surrounded in that culture. So it warms my heart as a friend of many veterans, many, many who don't know what they're going to do afterwards. And now I have a place I can send them uh, that is in a, a place they probably want to go, which is away from here in a lot of cases. Yeah. That seems like a great time to hire if you're hiring. Are you hiring right now? Random question. We're always hiring okay. because sometimes we have attrition and other campaigns are growing. But um, getting back to the military, you know, we use the military alphabet here. A lot of people don't okay. like to 
ask how to spell exotic names, and they wonder why emails bounce back. You might be the only person to ever ask that individual how to pronounce your name correctly, and then you really anchor with them. And so we make it essential to be able to know the military alphabet on day one. I think it's pretty cool. Um, but you know, this, this is an industry where there's a lot of burnout and people might see it as transitional, but as a gladiator, if you can survive this, you can thrive in this. And if you have skills on the phone, these are things that can be done outside of the office where you can save a marriage, build friendships, make a nice name for yourself. And so maybe it's, it's the tough route, right? Instead of going the easy way. And it's almost like having to go to the gym or practicing the piano, the things that seem tedious and long, but after you've mastered it and you've done it for a while, it's different. You look at it differently. And sure, was this an extremely long journey in the beginning, but I, I took it like the tortoise, not the hare. Guess what, Trevor? I did not overextend myself. A lot of your entrepreneurs are thinking that they need the penthouse suite, the limousine, the whole shebang. Well, shebang costs money. And I look at it like this. I needed to start and I had to start somewhere. And so I was out of my home working, but I was able to rent a turnkey station at a blended call center. It's almost like an internet cafe, a little more uh, luxuries, but I didn't have that overhead. I, I paid premium, but I could pay the taxes, the salary, and make my margin. And if I could scale or reduce, that's fine. He's paying for all of that stuff. And I did that for two years. You might say, well, Richard, you should have stopped earlier. Well, Richard didn't know. I needed stable clients and I needed capital and I was still new in this game. And I needed the contacts so I could find the computers for a fraction of the cost because import taxes are 80%. But I'll buy a used computer. It's only been used for a month or two when call centers go out of business or used furniture. Had to find the right grid in the city so the electricity stayed up. And found a nice place to rent for six years so I could build out more. And then from there, I had enough capital to buy my own place. So don't think it's a snap overnight. It's not a genie sort of thing. And, and stop looking at me holding the belt. Yeah, I know I won the fight, but man, this took 15 years. To sure, sure. So, so people have to have that sort of patience to understand that, that this sort of craftsmanship does take a while. And so if you can have that sort of breathing and meditation, and happiness with just these little bit of wins that you do, then, then I think it'll be a wonderful journey that you'll be on. I appreciate that. I hope so. I love the little things. I love smelling the flowers. That's why I got like the garden. Um, I spent all my time in the garden. It's where I grew up. I grew up on a farm and it's my connection to get my hands in the dirt. It grounds me in all the punny ways, but mostly just to have dirt under my fingernails is probably gross to most people. And to me, it is just everything that I need in order to be, like you said, the person I need when I come back to the people. When I get on screen, I have to be this version of me that's learning on the fly in front of a camera. And then when I'm in the garden, I can be in a place where I feel competent and my decisions are not as important. And it allows me to sort of clear before I come back and, and meet someone like yourself who I want to be able to give 110 to every single time. 
it's a lot to ask of a, of a human being I'm learning. I've heard entrepreneurs and leaders say, of course, that it's lonely at the top. And you've talked before we started speaking on live and during this, which I am so grateful for your time, by the way, Richard, this is amazing. And I know so many people are going to be inspired by your focus in a world of being told everybody has ADHD, your focus and your zeroing in on everything we've talked about and everything that is your world is so ref refreshingly intense in such a perfect way for entrepreneurs because you have to be. Uh, as you've pointed out, how do you stay focused and what is life like outside of the call center that keeps Richard Blank up and running and upright in the shining example of the modern business renaissance man? My good friend, my mind zigs and zags. I'm as distracted as the day is long. And I told you earlier, my grades were terrible. So I'm definitely in part of that crew. I don't know how you would describe me back in the 70s and 80s, but I was definitely looking out the window instead of at the chalkboard. What do I do? I surround myself with people to reduce my doubt, reinforce my ideas, allow me to do a Lennon McCartney and throw everything out there. But I truly believe in image streaming. I love my imagination. And if I'm capable of describing what I see, I, I think it's the greatest way for me to connect because I'm tapping into more stimuli and it's more net. It's, it's something that's more inside of me that's coming out. It's not commissioned. It's, it's, that's pure. And you have to have good intentions. I, some people say, well, it's nice to tell the truth. Well, if a dinner is not, pleasing you still try to finish your plate and be polite there's certain things you have to do and i've realized about social grace i think that me today you tomorrow is a beautiful thing because if you can give that energy you can also receive it and if you're cool enough with you life is great i mean you should really love your tastes and I also believe in sincere friendships. It takes work though. I mean, you have to make the call and receive the call and also be forthright. If you can't do something, follow through on making the call to reschedule it. But these are the sort of things that have reduced my stress. I think we spoke about this prior to the podcast. I, I love structure and I love discipline. Sometimes I like routine, even though it might seem monotonous. To me, it allows me to plan. So there's less uncertainty, which to me could cause stress because of time management. But to answer your question outside of the office, I do pinball marathons. I wash my convertible on a Sunday. I love hitting the gym. My wife and I like to travel. I'm in paradise. So we go to the beaches and the mountains and the run around the rainforest. I'm living Gilligan's Island. This is the great, I'm from <laughs> Philadelphia. I live in Costa Rica. All I want to do is have a great time. And so, um, Maybe it's a little selfish. Sometimes, Trevor, you got to get past your parents' guilt. You got to decide yeah. if you want to live your life or the life of others. I was under an enormous amount of pressure to follow in certain footsteps and there was career expectations, but I wanted to really live a poet's life. And by speaking a second language, all the world was a sage. I just didn't have to be somewhere at some time to do my job. No, my job's all day, every day. And it's, it's fun just being a linguist. And in a sense, it's, it's really just about being more 
in touch with humanity because knowing you're a guest in a country and having these 105 minute conversations with people from all over the world, you realize that Philadelphia is not the center of the world. And a lot of the things that you hold dear to you and that are important back in the States or somewhere else, well, you don't mean anything right here. And so for me, a smile and appreciation. And if I go into someone's home, you'll just compliment how beautiful it is and how good it smells. And you properly introduce yourself to the grandparents and the kids and you, and you enjoy your now and in your moment. So you get asked back again. And I slowed things down, my man. I shed some skin. I left the United States 23 years ago. So as much as it's nature and nurture, I changed. And when I come back, I'm still the same person, but there's a lot more depth. And a lot of the things that might've affected me back in the seventies and eighties just glide off of me now. And if I look at it and I can catch it, there you go, you're good. <laughs> it's all right. And it's a beautiful way to live life. And people notice these things and they ask how it happened. And I said, well, it's just about following through and paying it forward. And those are the two things, which is a perfect combination. I just can't help it every time I got to give it a second. I appreciate you letting me take the second to process and let everyone else process. Uh, it is not often that most of us get to encounter someone who is so well studied and who is a linguist and who can speak the language of us regular folks. Uh, and it, I know it's going to mean a lot to a lot of people. Bree, our co-founder, is in the background sending chats over. Nice and she wants, to, <laughs> she wants to know about the artwork in your office building. She mentioned that she might have missed it, but I don't think we talked uh, in depth at length about it. And she might be talking about what's behind you. Oh, well, you're looking at a 1961 Ricola Regis. I'm an avid collector of jukeboxes. And here's my private candy stash. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to enjoy yourself. But my building's an art deco building. When I bought it and I remodeled it, I, I wanted to be like a 1920s theater. I also have neon marquees outside. I went all the way. I'm really from the 80s. My favorite shows were Remington Steel and the A-Team. I mean, come on. But um, I am, you were mentioning earlier, listen, my main man, I'm a regular folk like anybody else. You want to call me Richie? I'm that guy. I just got lucky and my timing was right. And I had the perseverance and I had the endurance and I had the Philadelphia grit. And I wanted to make my family and friends proud. And my great grandparents that came from Europe at the turn of the 20th to New York to learn English and to work in the garment industry inspired me. So my argument to my parents at 18 was that we're nomads and I just want to go south, just like they did coming, you know, west. And so um, I always wanted to leave a castle, Trevor, and slay a dragon, didn't you? I mean, don't we want to live a fairy tale life? of saving princesses and becoming a prince? Well, how right. are you ever going to do it unless you're right. ever given the chance? Right. And then once you get the chance, it's like, what are you going to do with it? And what what is the right place to go? Because, yes, I think so many of us want to live the, 
the fairy tale, which is the wrong way. It's a fairy tale and it's yours because we get to put candy machines behind us and have pinball machines as a central theme in our office and bring these illuminating pieces to an otherwise probably starved industry in terms of culture because you get it every time you get on the phone. Like that's not a happy person. And, and I think it's a real service to not only the folks that work with you, but also everyone who doesn't get to see it, who needs to see what you're doing in terms of culture building, because I don't know if anybody's ever going to come back to the office without a light like you, um, you, well, I mean, truthfully, we've talked a little bit about leadership, just kind of skirted around it a little. Um, but it's rare to find a great leader of any type. And then it's something totally different to find the full package of someone who has really tried very, very intentionally to make use of the opportunities and the levers that you have um, mm -hmm. to turn things. And I think it's really impressive. It's it, to a young entrepreneur in terms of where I am in my career. It's very inspiring to hear. It's extremely inspiring to, as I mentioned before, see the combination of artwork and business. Uh, it, it makes my heart stop a little bit because I do think that that's a, a much better version. And I, I hope it's more inclusive to people because I don't think people understand like the aggressive fight culture. There has to be something more in order for others to join. It's uh, American businesses that I've ever worked for are just too, too scary to go into corporate, but I would love to work at your company. I think it would be so cool to be a call center rep and just absorb the employees and that your staff and that your friends at the company admit. Uh, I have this really cool image because you mentioned Charlie and the chocolate factory and I know you're intentional with your words and that wasn't by accident. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's so impressive, Richard. I would love to talk to you for ever and ever and ever. I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, when is your hard stop? Because I know we plan for 45 and we can stop anytime and I want to make sure that we, okay. I'm good, my man. As long as your audience likes me and doesn't want to hang up on me, I'll stay on this line with you. <laughs> Let's keep tracking <laughs> some codes. All right. I appreciate it. The The cool part about this type of content is it lives on. So even people who can't be here for whatever reason, uh, and I know some of my creator friends are going to find this fascinating, you're a person they have never experienced before. The creator economy is so young and so new and they need more, in my opinion, they need more examples of great business people because creators are going from the life that you had before to the life that you had now in such a short span of time in terms of effect over their world and impact over their world. And they do seem pretty lost all the time. So I'm very excited to introduce some of my very prominent social media, sort of like people that have come into my world, show you as an example to them as a business person, but also as a whole person, they're mostly in their thirties. So again, it's, it's really, really cool to meet. Yo, it's really, really cool to meet you, man. We're, we're all lost. I'm lost today, but let me give you a visual. Do you remember Scooby-Doo? Yeah. Remember when he was walking down this, the hallway with Shaggy and had either that lantern or the candle? Our lives are the illumination of the candle. The uncertainty is the darkness and spookiness that's around us. And so I, I don't have the time or the patience to concentrate on, on spooky dark corners. 
I'd rather have my illumination so I can take certain steps so I don't kill myself walking up and down stairs. I'm not scared of spooky. It doesn't do anything to me at this point. I'm too old for that. And how many times was there that sort of fear that you thought something was going to happen and it never did? So I gave up on that a long time ago. I'll take that 5% spooky if it happens to show up. 95% it never comes. And so what wasted time? Enjoy your candle down the hallway, make it with Scooby and you're good to go. But <laughs> are we lost unless you do not focus on the light? Then you're really lost, man. Yeah. What is the light? The light is you. It's clarity because you might be under duress. You might be too tired or you might be pulled left and right, which I was. But I saw in the distance that island of happy Richard. And I knew I needed to get there one way or another. And a lot of it was shedding. I needed to shed weight. Got me good. It's almost like in, oh, I love that movie, The Color of Money. When Forrest Whitaker says to Fast Eddie, should I lose some weight? I love that line. Shed weight. It's the worst thing to have a lot of unnecessary weight in your backpack. Unnecessary. Yeah, that's so true. Um, every time, every time you say profound things like that, I feel like I need to reflect and think about it for myself so I don't lose it. That's really what it is. is I don't want to lose it. Um, I, I want to sense to you. You already got it. <laughs> you haven't lost it. I'm reminding you. All we're doing is slowing down a little bit, brother. That's it. All right. So tell me uh, where, where your head is at these days. I want to spin it down a little bit. Tell me where your head wanders to right now or in this day or in this week or in this moment. Where is your brain wandering, sir? No, I'm watching the world argue, and it makes me sad. But then again, you can only control you. So if I can do these positive interactions with employees or people that I see on the street, then, then at least in my way, I'm trying to put a little ripple into this world and make it a, a bit better. And, um, but there are things outside of your control and I don't want to lose friends over politics. I'm an exceptionally proud uh, citizen of the United States and I want to represent our country in, in the best light as an expat. And so, I decided to move abroad for my own reasons. It doesn't mean I don't love the United States. I have major fidelity. I pay my taxes and it's the greatest in the world. But I had callings. I wanted to go somewhere else. And it's interesting when I speak to my friends or if I do watch the news, we might be up to speed and can take that final exam. But down here, I might ask five questions that are headlines in the States. They have no idea even what I'm talking about. So decide the 15 minutes you want to spend with somebody. Do you want to recap them on something or do you want to build on their momentum? And so um, little by little, I've been decompressed to this stuff. And so even though I'm accustomed to it and I notice it and understand it, I'm not living it anymore. So those are the sort of things you, you might want to turn certain things off. And my greatest suggestion is to put the phone down. And these are the sort of things that might assist you in any sort of readjustments. But 
how's my head these days? I'm having great days, man. And I know that being 50 years old, it's kind of, you're looking at it a different way. The 50 to me is like the top of the hill. Now, you know, that's the second half. It's the second half. Can't believe right. it's the second half already. Now I'm a junior in life college. This is crazy. And so, um, but I'm going to be a cool upperclassman. I know what to do now. And if I can give some advice and give people smart shortcuts uh, to assist, then I've done my share. But um, I have happy days, my brother. I try to wake up every day smiling and I make my bed. And those are the little things that add up. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Got a favorite book right now? Not really. But I mean, my my favorite book of all time is Anthony Adverse. It's a book that was written in the 1930s by Harvey Allen. It's very long. It's 1,234 pages. So you got to give yourself some time. But um, it's an adventure. You know, it's someone in the 18th century that wanted to live some life. And I related to it. And so... I guess that was one of the few books that I've read uh, recently. Very cool is oh, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers owns everything. I studied the music industry and the media industry enough that when I see like Warner, ah, they own everyone. Where are all the indie creators? But they're just out there doing their thing. Um, and I think far too much about it. It looks wonderful. And it says it's a romantic drama. Is that your sort of cup of tea that you get your entertainment from? Are you a romance drama person? I've always loved women. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> how about this? I mean, this individual really lived life, swashbuckling, fell in love, just like myself with my Costa Rican wife. I met the girl of my dream. So my classic romantic, yeah, I, I don't serenade you outside of a window with flowers or do the say anything holding the, <laughs> like John Cusack did. But um, if I am loved sincerely by somebody, that's one of the greatest gifts in the world. And if you can have that sort of connection with someone and grow, because I've been with my wife 23 years, that's an incredible thing. And, but this Anthony Adverse, I don't know, should I be watching the fast and the furious or someone beating the crap out of somebody or, <laughs> It, or is there a chance that I can understand that there might be some romance in life? And if I can get in touch with a, a certain side where I can respect women and I can understand feelings and maybe give myself the opportunity to grow with somebody, let's see what happens. And um, now this is not like what you're thinking with like a book with Fabio or like the Fifty Shades of Grey, there was a little bit of part of with Angela, but I mean, that's it. But, um, you know, most of it is this individual traveling to other continents and following through with his father's wish. And a lot of it is self-doubt and self-discovery. And, um, but anyway, it's, it's written back in the day where, you know, I liked things where there was no, today's technology. So this individual didn't have smartphones or planes or computers or even ice <laughs> for their drinks. And so um, I like to see how people used to roll back in the day when they had to roll up their sleeves and show that sort of grit. I always saw people put in those extra efforts. 
Yeah, I love that stuff too. That's my world where I came up from is by farmers who refused to buy or didn't have the money to buy new equipment. So they repurposed everything. I love the old stuff too. And I, again, love the garden because I can set my phone and just get away. Do you have time that you get away from your phone and engage with those deeper mediums of life? And how do you balance that as a business person? Because I probably need some advice there. <laughs> no, I think you're doing great. But since I'm in Costa Rica, the house that I live in has some property. So we we plant. We got our banana trees and we also do our our lettuce and our tomatoes and carrots and our certain spices, the dill and the parsley. You're mentioning touching the, the soil. I do it without my shoes on. I want the double connection. I want to really feel the grass and the earth. My wife loves that. And that's, she's an exceptionally spiritual woman. In fact, I'm going to disclose something with you. When I, when I met her, think about it like this. I grew up playing ice hockey. My favorite band was in excess and I loved Pac-Man. My wife didn't know any of that stuff. <laughs> she was a Costa Rican princess from up in the mountains, right? And so some of our first dates, we would go into the rainforest and she'd be picking out the plants and the flowers, things that were edible. And I fell in love with that. I mean, this was a completely different world that I've ever seen, but this was someone that was so in touch with nature and the beauty of life and took the time to understand the plants and the animals that were around her. I found that one of the most attractive things I've ever seen in my entire life. And I wanted more of that. And so if you really think about it, it is incredible, the sort of two worlds that came together. But I was looking for that. I was looking to find something where I didn't have to work for it, but I didn't want it easy. Imagine if you married someone that was from your same town, same high school, same church, same everything, same group of friends. It's, it's plug and play, right? It's You have everything in common. It's good to go. But imagine if just starting with languages. <laughs> Everything is different. Everything was different, uh, but not in a bad way. It was like chocolate and peanut butter. You mix them together, then you got your Reese's peanut butter cups. And then if you freeze them and give them out during Halloween, it's even better, but that's not the point. Point being <laughs> is that you have two different things combining it. It's one of the greatest candies that's ever been created. And so um, I love that every day is new. And when we are at home, we speak in two languages, which makes it fun and exotic. And it's never a dull moment. It sounds it sounds wonderful. You've got 10 years on me. My wife and I have been dating and now married uh, total for 13 years. Wonderful. And yeah. Yeah. Same deal. She's very smart, very challenges me all the time in all the best ways and is also extremely supportive uh, and is a musician, a skater. And it's also very in touch with many things that I am not and routinely opens my brain up to a world that I don't understand or didn't understand. Uh, and and I also, on the note of our wives, uh, cheers to them, want to <laughs> ask, uh, I guess it seemed like you had some strong feelings about how men treat women <laughs> in short. And I think that that's a topic I've been exploring in my head in the background like more and more often of late. And I wondered if you had any, any pieces of just shut up and do this young people, because I think that I have, I'm learning that the, the culture around violence in the United States, at least, which is what I can speak to is so gender 
it's it's normed. So it's, I think around 90% of criminals, it seems like, are men. And somebody recently gave me that stat. It's, it's a very, very bizarre world to sit back and think of how many violent crimes are just men doing them. And it seems to me like it has a lot to do with the respect that is are given to everyone else that doesn't look like me and maybe doesn't look like you. And uh, I, I hope that maybe you could speak a little bit about that because I am also learning and have so much more to learn on that topic to be a good part of society in that way. I hate quoting things, but the pen is muddier than the sword. I mean, w when you fight, that's the lowest form of rhetoric, then you've exhausted any sort of means of any sort of diplomacy. And in regards to how people treat women, um, you know, there are certain areas in Latino society where they call it machismo, where men have certain expectations and wives may have certain uh, roles that they need to fulfill. I believe in equality. I, I do like the fact of people that can be ama de casas and homemakers and people that raise children and, and, and really give a home secure, but their putting in is not a, more than other individuals. And so for my wife, I mean, this is extremely old school, traditional Costa Rican values here. And so the wife stayed at home, raised the children, made a beautiful home and just kind of like the 1950s, right? And and my wife has that in her where our home is perfect, but she also wanted to do other things. So she's a director of human resources, finishing her law degree. And so these are things, her own goals that, first, I, I think it's amazing. I don't have the fortitude to do it now. And um, the fact that she's driven, I'm her biggest supporter. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. There are ways to diffuse things. Prevention is better than a cure. Worst thing to do is have someone pop. And the next thing you know, they lose their cool. And in regards to men being the majority of violent individuals, well, they have the leverage. They're stronger. I mean, if it's against a woman or just trying to prove themselves against another male. They might be egged on, they might be provoked, or you just might be catching somebody on the worst day of their life and they don't know what to do. And all they wanna do is just start swinging or start crying. And so there might be a huge story behind what you see in public or what people are saying. And so, I don't know, Trevor, did you ever get in a fight? I did in 11th grade. I fought a good friend of mine, Mark, because we were competing for a girl and I did in front of everybody at McKinley Field. And so, but I did win, <laughs> but that's not, <laughs> the point is I fought one time. What do you think I'm violent now? I <laughs> mean, that was 1989. I mean, right. you know, that was a long time ago. Um, but maybe I needed to prove something to myself. And we shook hands afterward. <laughs> it wasn't that big mm -hmm. of a deal. But I stepped up. I had my high school fight like everybody should, you know, so you can grow. But it doesn't mean that I should be in jail or I'm a violent person or you should be afraid of me. I, I was back being 
a foolish teenager that needed to prove something in front of my friends outside a homeroom. I mean, that's mm -hmm. that was my situation, Trevor. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's a topic that we talk about every single week. So it's one that I like to bring up if I can, if there's a place to sneak it in, it's just the respect factor towards uh, people in general, but especially it's just been fascinating to learn and care more. And the more you care, the more you learn about a topic like that and just trying to do my best to contribute uh, from wherever I stand and wherever I'm learning from. So I appreciate you talking a little bit about that and, and showing some love to your wife. That's awesome that she finished her, her JD. That's a gotta be, gotta be fun to have that roaming around. My wife is a physical therapist and those advanced degrees, man, they make it fun at home, I found. Well, they don't. If they cross-examine you, and if they do it in <laughs> Spanish, that's the double grill. you got to be kidding me. No, I'm only kidding. No, <laughs> no I was going to say, no, you're not. You, I can already tell that you asked her to do that. <laughs> grill me. I want to be grilled. You must like a challenge like that, too, when you're uh, – where do you get your challenge uh, – your challenge – piece of your mentality because you have that you want to not fight but i can tell how competitive of a spirit you've had your whole life do you get to take that out anywhere like the ah, choose like your battles wisely sometimes you fall on swords sometimes you're willing to die for something and for my wife i kind of use the old expression when you see fire because if temperatures start rising i stop drop and roll i stop whatever i'm doing I drop whatever conversation we're having and I'm trying to roll on to something different because obviously something's upsetting her. And so it's the sort of thing of showing attentive, active listening. I'm not saying that I agree all the time, but I will try to put myself in their shoes. And as I mentioned before, I'm willing to fall on 99 swords, but obviously with my jukeboxes and pinball machines that's the one battle i'm willing to go for and so my wife realizes what makes me happy and if we can find that happy medium where i get my retro games and she gets everything else then we live in a very happy home sounds like it that's the only way you get to come to work happy uh and truly mean it is if you are going home it makes all the difference not every day is good in a marriage uh, not every day is good in any relationship and the days that it is good, the days where you can leave and come home and have it be amazing, like that next level up that just reassures every decision of commitment, every time you've recommitted, every night that you have to recommit every morning is been one of the most transformational experiences in my life to figure out that I can and to be proud of myself for committing all the time. Um, and again, just want to compliment you for setting a good example. I think it's meaningful and I know it's not easy over a long, long period of time and 23 years is a long time. So thank you for being willing to share that part of your life because it's balance. It's a word that you routinely dance around without saying is the balance that you have created for yourself. It's, it's really, really amazing. Yeah, we're like boxers. You could have your Mickey in the corner and your Adrian to support you and even your Paulie. But at the end of the day, Rocky's got to do it. Yeah. Really, this is an individual thing. You have your support group, but at the end of the day, as you're mentioning, do you come home exhausted because you put in a full day? And are you giving yourself what you need to get up the next day? And I mentioned the word earlier, selfish. Yes, 
there are certain sacrifices you have to make to be the best. So you have to weigh how much time you have and where you want to put that. And so I invested the majority of it in me. And this is the result. Mm. That sounds so good. <laughs> um, Richard, again, really want to talk to you all day. I would love to listen to you all day. That's the truth is I just want to listen. I want to come to story time with you. I want to listen to every story you've ever told and ever have to tell. The one I'm most curious about is one of the future. What is life like in the future for Richard? How can people support things that you care about? Whether that's, of course, your business, which I'm, I'm guessing is not something that the average person would look to support, but maybe there's some other things that if we want to thank you for your time, and we do, I do, but also trust that the things that you support are probably the things that are worth time. What would those things be? Well, for me in the future, I'm going to be writing children's books. That's the most fun for me. It's going to revolve around mini golf and Rube Goldberg experiments. So I just want kids to play old school way. I think that'll be fun. But supporting me, it's really about me being proud of you. I'm cool. If you reach out to me and we connect, I think it's fantastic. But share with me your successes. Let me add wind in your sails and let me be proud to be your friend. And it's okay if you come to me and ask a clarification question because I have certain experiences or if you are winning, allow someone else to give you a high five. Don't, you know, don't be embarrassed by that. It's, it's, it's wonderful to have a win after you've worked so hard. And then you'll really get to see the true people that care about you because there are haters out there and that's fine. I don't know why they hate me. Um, you know what I learned as well? that a lot of the today's employees don't give two weeks notices. I understand that there's competition and people have opportunities, but there's also a commitment to myself and the client to at least give a smooth transition. And so if somebody can't come to me, shake my hand and say, we had a great run, I'm gonna fulfill this as you fulfilled with me when we first started, that's a perfect circle. So I can bump into you at the mall and be cool. I just don't want people where if they can't look in my eyes, it means, Trevor, that they've done something wrong. And so a lot of the advice that I'm giving today is about you being able to live with yourself and the people that surround you are the ones that you really filtered. And it's like, almost like water seeking its own level. And you could have thousands of followers. You could be an Instagram and TikTok king. But at the end of the day, you said it's very lonely at the top. It's only lonely at the top if you are having that attitude. You, you should always be grounded and humble. You still make the calls to your buddies and go out and have that pizza and beer with them. And I mean, just because you're either making more money or you have a title or you have all this stuff, it's just a medium. Mm -hmm. You're still the same person. And you should never be lonely at the top. In fact, what you should be doing is bringing more people in to assist them to raise their lifestyle and their opportunities and chances. You, you have that. And so really, if you are ever given this gift, 
to be in a position where you're capable of assisting, guiding others, do it. Because don't look at it from the money side, look at it from coming around. You, you wanna be that story people tell 20 years from now that you are the best boss ever, or you're the one that started their momentum. I mentioned before about my principal in my high school giving me a college recommendation letter. To this day, I have a second language scholarship at Abington High School. I paid it forward and I was just inducted into their Hall of Fame for business. And that's old school love. And it's the sort of thing where I am an example of that community and I'm exceptionally proud to have that honor. And I think that all of your audience should be looking to do things that are a little bit bigger than money. I got plenty of it, but that's not what makes me happy. What makes me happy is being your friend, Trevor, and free, <laughs> and seeing people crack codes and shed skin and grow with me. And when they introduce me to their mother, they say that I'm the best ever, the best boss ever. That's cool, man. That's what makes it all worthwhile at the end of the game. Dude, that 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 is though. The the employment compliments are the best. When I got to be hiring, those are the best um, because you know how much it means to someone because you have to work. Everybody, uh, not everybody, but we all, a lot of us go to work every day and to enjoy that experience and to be grateful for the person that brought you in is very, very cool. It is very different than a lot of other kinds of compliments because oh, yeah. uh, it just, it feels good. Uh, that's cool. Bree is in the background right now having fun. <laughs> She, uh, <laughs> Bree, Bree does rock. Um, do you have any questions for us or for Bree while you have? Yeah, us? one of you guys coming to visit me in Costa Rica so we can do our second podcast at the beach. All right, maybe we could uh, culminate one as, as soon as we can. That's the right answer. So when when can we get there, and what rationale can we have for coming there? Well, a you can write it off as a business expense. Be your buddy. Richard is here and I got a thousand suggestions for you. We have some of the best surfing in the world and the cost of living here is about a third of the state. So I can make a trip next to nothing and give you some maximum experiences. And it's just one of those things, my friend, don't feel the pressure. It's just an open invitation that yeah. you can cash in at any time. And, you know, I'll be here to pick you up at the airport and then we begin our fun. That sounds amazing. As soon as I tell Laura, she's going to want to come because the surf bug has bit her and she wants to go everywhere to surf. And uh, I'm sure your water is much nicer. I really appreciate the invitation. We mm -hmm. will definitely be taking you up on that because Bree is about to go into heart surgery in a couple of weeks. And I know on the backside of that, possibly at least, there's still some questions. But on the other side of that, as she continues to get healthier and stronger, her granddaughter is back in her life. And nice. that has totally, totally changed her world. She's gone from awesome. uh, wondering about her health to actually having test results change because of that child's existence in her life. So as she continues to get stronger, it will be amazing to come to be in Costa Rica and sit with you in person and talk life. <laughs> like, I, I want to just talk life with you for the next Six days, maybe? You'll find what you're looking for when you come to Costa Rica. I promise you that. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> Richard, um, is there anything more that we can do to support you? Any way that we can serve you? Any creative or media or le- like, what can we do for you? I would love to serve you or at least find an excuse or reason. I want to be your friend, uh, as you mentioned. And how can we best do that? How can we integrate ourselves into your world? Because I know social media isn't the place, but I would love to do that. You already pulled that off. So you're definitely my friend, but your audience can visit my Facebook fan page. We have about 117,000 local Costa Ricans there. And just real quick for your audience, it'll give you a pulse of the business process outsourcing industry in Central America. We're north of Panama, south of Nicaragua. We're the only democratic society in Central America. So there's no standing army in Costa Rica. They have a 95% literacy rate here and the most neutral English accent in Central America. And we're known for ecotourism and medical tourism. It's a nice life here. And there's a lot of direct flights We're on mountain time zone. And as I mentioned before, once this goes live, which it is, and I get a copy of it, I'm going to put it on the uh, website, which will then give you more fans. And my main thing is just keep putting wind in your sails and supporting what you do because you're helping a lot of people. And I gravitated towards this and your website's cool and your pictures and Trevor, you seem exceptionally non-threatening. People just want to be your friend, man. And um, don't stop because this thing's only going to grow. Thank you. That's very kind. Um, I'm very grateful for your kind words, for your time in bothering to respond and respond in a very genuine way from the moment you reached out through this moment now, Richard. It's been an honor to get to meet you and to speak with you. uh, And I look forward to remaining a casual friend in the near future and continue to grow into a more close friend over time. Um, it seems like it would be a really amazing place to be, but also one that we share interest in. So for that reason, um, I just, I, I won't stop saying thank you. So thank you. It's, it's reassurance is really all we can ask for. I think in our pursuits that seem wild and crazy to everyone else at times. Um, and like you said, the money's not enough. So it's gotta be moments like this. Totally. And that's why we wore our gray ties for it. Trevor, good job, man. You got the memo. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Richard. Uh, the, the way I love to end everything is with gratitude warfare. And if there is anyone you would like to shout out, I like to shout out my moms. I have many moms. I have Grace and Crystal who have been in my life essentially forever. Uh, Alan and Dave my dads who've been in my life forever, my best buddy, Chris, who does everything with me. And I have a lot of ride or dies in my world, as they call them. And none is more so than my wife and Bree. Um, they do everything for me and with me. So that's how I like to end with a little gratitude warfare. And I will end with you just so you know how this is going to look. We will end with your words. I will hit the button. I will follow up with you via email. But I love your last words to be our last words until the next time we meet. So the stage is yours. Great time today. You brought the best out of me. And if you want me to give a shout out, I'm going to give it to my old school crew back in Northeast Philly, Abington, Arizona, my fraternity brothers, 
people that work with me here, the call center, my amazing family, and my beautiful Costa Rican wife, Grace Bourbon. You guys are the best. But uh, yo, Trevor and Bree, this was awesome today. And uh, great podcast. And as I said before, awesome time. Nice. All right. I'm in the show. <laughs>